0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Mingre Nation Podcast. Welcome to it. So this is, and I know the music's going. This is the first time I'm using this laptop. So if there's weirdness in it, team, that's why. The laptop. Uh, hey, a win at Rice kind of corrected some behaviors, you know. Um, North Texas went. Oh, I just dropped my phone. North Texas went to Houston, uh, home of uh, apparently the other half of the 200,000 alumni, I guess, or whatever it is that North Texas has, because uh, that crowd was packed with green. Everybody was there, uh, including Greg. Uh, who was there at Tudor Field House? Uh, tell mm-hmm. us what is what it was like, Mister uh, Mister Greg, and all that goodness.
1: I don't know if it was all alumni. I mean, it was all Ruben's family, all 100 of them, <laughs> and then you had you had Aaron Scott's <laughs> family, and I mean, you had some other people. It was a great turnout for UNT. Like I I said on Twitter, it felt like a tournament atmosphere because it was kind of split. Yeah, like I mean. Reuben and Aaron's family and everybody they brought it right you know when it, it got intense in there for a while so it was it was a great time great atmosphere the wife the wife she she leaned over to my son she was like if I start chanting north will you start chanting Texas and he was like yeah and uh, so she started she started the north Texas chant but like my son didn't say anything and just like left her hanging uh, and, uh, <laughs> it, it took like about, it took like about five North chance before everybody else started to pick up. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: yeah so, I mean, so when I'm saying my Houston, which God thing, uh, that's for, that's straight from like the alumni association. Uh, when they were trying to back when I was in San Antonio, they were trying to get one started in San Antonio and they're like, yeah, we can kind of, you know, make it blah, blah. Like Houston's always easier to get people out. There's a lot of alums in Houston. Um, and so, I mean, you know, like for any kind of turnouts, there's always a good good North Texas group in Houston. I saw, just anecdotally, a lot of other people that have been online and they were at the Houston game. Um, so people living in and around Houston. I mean, like yourself, right? It's easier to drive for you there. Uh, so, you know, good times. Uh, that's, why I'm that's one reason why I'm excited for keeping Rice in the same conference. Right? We're going to the AAC together, and I think that's good. It means... And I think the schedule it means that we don't play Houston, uh, play at Houston like every other year the way it is now, which I think is good, but still regularly, like within a ten year span, you're probably you know get like seven games against them, which is not terrible. Yeah. Um. So a win. Uh. Rice. You know, they kind of jumped up and bit North Texas a little bit. Uh. Last time, and uh, everybody was a little upset with that. You know. Um. You know, we had some. Some hot sports opinions, and I think they were all well reasoned and fair. And I think that this team is one reason why we like this team is that they will bounce back from that kind of thing. Is that you give them a little adversity, and then they will react to it right positively. Uh, and that's again, that's why I like this team is that you know it's not like oh uh, well, it's unfortunate that a bad thing happened because now they're gonna spiral, and you know then then <laughs> they you know just everybody's coming going to quit. Oh, uh, was it somebody on uh, I think the South Carolina team? was like, man, they don't even draw plays for me, man. You know, you just you don't like not, you don't see nothing like that. And everybody can complain and I think that's fine. You can go home to your to your girlfriend or something and be like, man, I wish I shot the ball more. Coach don't let me shoot the ball. That's fine. That's normal stuff. <laughs> but you're on the court, you're playing hard. And I like that. North Texas playing hard all the time. It's good stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the last time we played against Rice, the last what, you know, ten minutes of the game just I mean felt terrible. All the turnovers, not being able to guard him. And, you know, we talked a lot about it in our podcast about like the drop coverage that Abu was playing against Max Fielder, right? And you, you talked about adjustments, and we saw that adjustment last night. Usman was more in his face, was more in him. Um, and there was a difference there. And then the other difference was really Susoku right? His- he
0: played a lot more. And I was, uh, we talked about that too, like, You know, at first it was he's getting minutes just for resting to other people, but in those minutes you gotta make the most of them, you know, if you want to keep playing and make it make it hard for the coach to to sit down. No. Interrupt him. Go
1: ahead. I didn't think like he would be able to play against Rice just because of how good fielder is, but Mm -hmm. I mean, he played he played really well last night. I mean, defensively. Offensively there you know, we know there's (laughs) issues there. But I mean for the most part he was physical with Fielder and and made things less easy for him, right? And so that that was good to see. Really just the whole bench, like Ruben in front of his home crowd. I mean, he had a great game. Uh, he he kind of started that run because there for a while it was like a tight game and, and North Texas really wasn't playing well. Then you had Sissoku and Ruben come in and that kind of changed the game. Ruben hit – A couple of shots, got a couple steals, and then North Texas was up by six, like twenty-seven to twenty-one, and they're like, okay. And -hmm. see, what happened there was my daughter switched her seating arrangements, and and she sat next to me, and so like she tried to move next to my wife later in the game, and I was like, no, 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 you got to stay right here.
0: It's too much on the line for you to be comfortable right now. Get over (laughs) it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, again, this is one of those things, right? 13 minutes, <laughs> his offensive rating is 52. Um, <laughs> he had uh, three total rebounds, a turnover, and two fouls. And you're like, ah, that's that's terrible basketball. But it's not when uh, you're out there to kind of just be a present, just kind of be in the way. Um, I think that's good. Yeah, you know, like, uh, <laughs> there's times when I remember my high school coach just sending some guy out and saying, look, don't even – don't touch the ball. You're not gonna touch the ball. You're just gonna <laughs> shut that dude down, and then you know, like the, we all hyped that dude up, and then you know, like the stat sheet said zeros across the board, but we knew that dude played well because he went out there and did his job. He went out there to be a pest, like underface and you know, all that other stuff. Um, so I mean, you know, like there's more to it than a box score, and I was I was sort of making this point about the football team the other day, and I, w- I want to get into that a little bit because a there's a NSD this week so we'll get to that in a little bit but I want to talk more about basketball um so beating Rice at Rice this is to me this is always like the trap game right you go to Houston Tudor Fieldhouse field house is kind of weird um I mean you know it's like you know it's like <laughs> it was cool in in uh what 1930 something whenever they built it uh uh but we've we've made improvements like, you know we don't need to put seats up there like that anymore we could do it differently and um so it's kind of weird, right? It, it's just Everything's weird. You know, restrooms are weird. Concessions are weird. sight lines are weird. Um, and I think all of that can throw you off. It can just, you take a little adjustment, you're looking around like, this is kind of, f-. but they obviously play there all the time. And so the next thing you know, you look up and you're like, man, it's like 20 to 10. How'd they get a 10-point lead or something like that? So North Texas played there enough times that they, you know, didn't run into that. Uh, and for the most part, controlled this game, start to finish.
1: I really think having the crowd, the, the pro-UNC crowd, helped out a bunch. Yeah. I That's mean, giving Ruben the confidence. Get, you know, Scott got into early foul trouble, but I mean, he still made big plays at big moments in the game, um, especially in the second half. He hit a big three to extend the lead back out to eight. He, he made some clutch free throws down. He got a clutch rebound at the end of the game. So the, the Houston boys definitely showed out. So how would that... That pro UNT crowd there having the success, I think, against Rice there before helped out. But, I mean, still Rice was, you know, in a two-game losing streak. They didn't play well last week against UAB. They got blown out at home. Mm-hmm. They lost to Louisiana Tech. They're, st- they're trying to hold on to being in the top five in Conference USA. They want that buy. So you, you had to have the feeling like they were going to play well at home against a team that they beat by 12 on the road. And and I thought Rice did play well at times, but they didn't finish at the rim quite as, you know, quite as good as they did at UNT. And I think that was just, you know, North Texas was challenging shots at the rim better than they did before. There wasn't as much of guards running open um, underneath the basket as before. There was still some miscommunications definitely earlier in the game. And I guess the one thing about Tudor Fieldhouse is like, you know, you can get close to the game and you can kind of hear it and feel it. Mm-hmm. And like, you can see like when somebody was coming to set a screen, like some guys on UNT would communicate. And then some guys wouldn't communicate, especially like the switches. And and that's where somebody like Kai Huntsbury, who, I mean, he played great last night. You cannot like, he, he showed up offensively when they needed him to, but there was times defensively where he just didn't communicate that he was going to switch, onto another guy and that allowed for a backdoor cut. So
0: Yeah, I mean it's tough, right? I think uh it it's hard to get people to communicate. Some people just some people just don't. Um and uh or like they don't do it in the right way. So it some of it just becomes natural and you've done it so long, you've been in a program a long time. You just you just know and then they become <laughs> Yeah, and then uh other people it's like um um they still have to think about it every time.
1: Yeah, but I mean, look, offensively, Huntsbury, like the, what North Texas was doing, which I loved, and, and again, we have talked about this, was they were getting the matchup with him on Evie. They were running the high ball screen. They got Evie, who's 6'1", 180, versus 6'3", 215. And then Huntsbury was backing him down into the post. He could have taken shots all night over him, but he didn't. But that was kind of their offense in the second half, and that helped them get going. There was a few times where Usman like would curl underneath the basket, and like if he just hit him with the behind-the-back pass, like <laughs> I was like, man, it's right there. And you're like, yeah, I did not see him. But, but I mean, sorry, so unofficial
0: unofficial marker of like how good we're playing right is like that two-point shot. Right, Kai Huntsbury was four nine in there, which is right about fifty percent. And then Abu was seven and thirteen, which is over fifty percent. And so, like those two are two leading interior two point shoot uh, point guys. And so, I think whatever, like, like you said, there's there's meat on the bone in there, right? <laughs> he, he could be doing so much more. And the more he does that successfully, then I think he's going to recognize those things happening a little bit more, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, he yeah. had five assists last night. Yeah, uh, Huntsbury, right? And, yeah, and Usman after he got the dunk, like it, it just, it switched. Like he was, there was, there was a lot of of him not being confident in playing. He was in early foul trouble again. He was getting pulled out for Sissoku. I mean, there was one time where he almost got into a fight with McCaslin and I, I it was, I think it was, you know, frustration from being pulled, but then he also, he, you know, Rice, you know, got one of those backdoor cuts, and he missed the pass that was right there. And, I mean, like, McCaslin in the huddle is, like, slamming the chair down, and you're like, oh, all right. <laughs> but, I mean, once he got that done, that was, like, it. That That flipped the switch for him, and then he became that confident person. Like, he didn't care who was guarding him. You know, he was going to go get his. And, I mean, they needed him to play that well. And so, I mean – I'm happy to see him play like he, I, I feel like he gets like a bad rap sometimes or people say that, you know, he hurts this team like, th- and they talk about him. Like he's some, I don't know, like head case or <laughs> the, the dude is like a really good dude. Like if you watch him after the game, just his interactions with people, like, it's just like, uh, it's something you would expect from this North Texas team. Like he just looks like a dude that has a lot of joy in his life. So I mean I was happy to see him get going because they really they really needed his, his offensive output last night.
0: So yeah Usman is what, the second best player and second most important player on the team. I think it's Tyler Perry, then it's yeah. Abu Usman. That without him it's just a completely different squad. And I think um you know like I I don't I don't I don't buy the head case thing. I don't buy the. I think he. I mean, like you said, he is a good dude. <laughs> I mean, like he's a. Uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on him because he's the second best player on a team that's expected to compete for the conference USA championship. That, you know, that that's a lot, right? You know, you, you think about something you do for escape or fun. Uh, you know, like you do whatever your school, and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm good at basketball. I'm you know part of this. It's all fun, but, you know. It, it's also a like a job, right? It's a responsibility. People look at it and you're like, oh, come on. And you're like, you know what? I just wish it'd just be a little bit easier. And it would be if we had lower expectations on him. But he's very important. And we ask him to be, you know, the best big man on the floor every night, right? Against a pretty good league. Max Fiedler's good. And I, so that, all that to say is I can get, <laughs> I can understand how sometimes it'd be like a little frustrating to get pulled and yelled at again. But also how uh, amazing it feels to get loose, get a dunk, and then me say, you know what, I can do this. I'm very talented, and I'm going to go out here and ball out and get 17 points. And what was it? Six rebounds and a block and four fouls.
1: Yeah. I think when, when you take a step back and you just watch how the, the program interacts, when, when the game is on or when practice is on and, 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 and people are on the court, Grant McCaslin is going to coach you as hard as he possibly can. Like, he's going to expect excellence from you on the court. Mm-hmm. But once once the game is over, once practice is over, and we're outside the court, like, it's all love, right? Yeah. There's there's just, there's happiness, there's joy. You see him, like, hugging family members. Like, it's just like, I, I think, like, that's a great thing to have in a program because you know that once the game is over, you can turn it off and you can say like, Hey, we're, we're just going to chill. And it just, like, it doesn't continue. Grant McCaslin is not going to be yelling at Abu Uzman on the bus for five hours up to, <laughs> up, up to, to Denton yeah. saying like, Hey, I, yeah. How did you miss that block out? Like, no, I mean, I think they're going to let it go. They'll watch film. They'll move on. They'll get better. Like, I think that's, that's the markings of of a great program and a great coach and we're lucky to have that.
0: Yeah. Uh, he He had a great game. Uh well I'm I maybe too loose great he had a very good game right 17 points he and Kyle Huntsbury uh were a great tandem there 21 for for Huntsbury um you know two of four and three I think when he's hitting some threes uh I think he's a little bit more confident but he had he had some buckets in in you know like I said within in the two point range like we said I I'd like to he's our guy that's gonna get to the rim and cause damage Change the defense right like it it's it's um. It's the person that kind of sucks everybody in, right? It's, it's the static move of throwing in the ball to Usman. There's <laughs> 70 years of basketball on how to s- prevent that and how to defend that. Uh, but, you know, dribble penetration is is a little bit more unpredictable. It's dynamic, right? You get a guy like can they can do that stuff, and, and it's why coaches are adamant about not letting it, that happen. They defy schemes and all kinds of crazy coaching tactics to not let that happen because it's so... Damaging, so that's why for me Kai Huntsbury is a little X factor there. If he's playing well, he can get into the lane and he can finish around the rim just enough that the other coaches are thinking about that. Then I think that that makes North Texas very dangerous offensively, and that's what yeah, we want I mean,
1: He had some great finishes last night. I mean, he finished through some contact. Same thing with Uzman. I mean, so I I thought they both played, you know, like you said, well, they they had they made some mistakes defensively but they made up for it offensively. And and we can live with that because we know that the majority of the defensive possessions for North Texas are going to be pretty solid.
0: Um, what was I going to say? Uh, so you mentioned it, right? The the top five, the bye. The I think it's worth noting right now because we're, what is it, like six, seven games away from the end of the season? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven, exactly. Uh, it's UAB on Thursday, big game at home. Charlotte at home, another big game because we we hadn't seen Charlotte. They've kind of dropped a little bit, but um, you know, they play very deliberately. They like to play defense. They have a, a big man that can pass, so it's a little bit of the rice. It's a little bit of uh, I don't think they're as intense defensively as Middle Tennessee, but you know. Uh, then you got uh, Louisiana Tech again, talented. They're kind of hit or miss. They could always get you, UTEP. We played them. We know what that game's like, and that's away. That's going to be tough. And then Charlotte away, and then middle and western at home. So this is going to settle where North Texas is going to fall. Right now, North Texas is second in the league in terms of positioning. Um, in conference play, 10-3, and three, right? The two losses to FAU, womp womp, and then the one to Rice. Uh, FAU lost. They got blown out by UAB. And now just a little bit like, don't forget about UAB because UAB came to play and they punched him in the mouth it, it's, it you know that was kind of aggressive um <laughs> uh Shit. so it, here's as it stands in this moment right now FAU would be the first seed play on March 9th this is all March 9th games uh, uh and they'd wait for the winner of the March 8th game which I think is Tuesday of UTEP and Western right so you get a FAU versus UTEP and Western I think FAU if they've been pl- continue to play as they they, they are now that's kind of an easy win. You got uh uh North Texas um as a uh, bye playing the winner of FIU in Charlotte. So it this this little series against Charlotte will tell us a lot of things that it it also might um uh cement this as being the seed here, right? Like if if North Texas Kind of wins both against Charlotte, then I think Charlotte's going to be the tenth, eleventh. It's going to be a tenth seed, right? It's going to be in that spot, and we'll kind of we'll end up playing them a third time um, if they can get by FIU. Middle playing the winner of Rice and UTSA, and that that for <laughs> me is like the easiest spot. And so I think in some ways being the uh, the third seed, it might give you a nice easy final, semi, uh, quarterfinal, semifinal game. That's semifinal, yeah, semi. Because uh, I mean Rice, I think they're. They're concerning, but they're not what's the word? They are not physical. Would you agree with that?
1: Well, they were physical when they beat us, but (laughs) Yeah. I mean the outside of and we don't know enough about Charlotte, but outside of that, like everybody else can give you a little bit of concern, right? You know, even though Western Kentucky's a nine seed, they still got a ton of talent.
0: Right. That that doesn't that doesn't scare me. And mo- mostly, that's what I'm concerned about when you get into a tournament situation. If you play a team uh, that's either mentally or physically exhausting, that can carry over to the next one. Even if you survive them, it can bother you into the next one. And so, um, yeah, I, I think about that, right? Like like playing a um, like playing a Middle Tennessee team. Like if you play against them and then you win, I think it's gonna take a lot out of you, and then you're gonna be a little spent playing in the next game. And so I, that's why I don't love right now that North Texas and Middle are slated to play on the 10th assuming that the higher seeds win in that one. So it would be a North Texas Middle semifinal matchup uh playing the winner of FAU and UAB presumably. Um I don't love that, but uh uh UAB would be taken on they're the 4 seed they would be taken on Louisiana Tech right now. And um I think it's a little easy cuz I don't think Tech has the horses. Uh, to run with UAB, and so even if Louisiana Tech is better in spots or maybe a better basketball team in certain, in certain aspects, they just don't have as many dudes, and so they're just going to get run off the floor. At least that, that's my prediction as it stands right now.
1: See, I guess you're kind of the optimist. You're always thinking about the next game ahead, and <laughs> like me, I'm I'm more more worried about the matchup itself. So, like when we get into tournament setting, I always focus like on on guard play. And so, like, Rice has good guard play. So, it wouldn't surprise me if Rice got by UTSA and then beat Middle Tennessee because I think they have better guard play than the middle. FIU right now lined up against Charlotte. They should, you know, let's say they win that and they play us. I mean, FIU has played us tough twice. They have really good guard play. Um, it's young guard play, so I don't know how um, <clears throat> they got the Archero Dean – you know, he's probably going to be freshman of the year in Conference USA. He's playing really well. So, I mean, that, that could be a little bit of a scary matchup, but again, you don't know how they're going to react in tournament setting. Well, so, and so, so
0: if I, if I can ahead. just add on to here because I agree with that guard play thing, but I think that's shorthand for a lot of other stuff, right? It's like, how good are your guards at controlling the game? And typically what you have, right, in college basketball is like your guards are like your best ones, right? It's like a, Third-year point guard. Those are always dangerous. It's just because they've seen a lot, they've handled the ball a lot. Nothing scares them. You know, they've been in pressure situations. Meaning, like teams are pressing them. They've been in, you know, like crunch time situations. They know the offense. They're not frustrated. Not thinking, oh, what's the play? And they also have the ball, so they don't need, <laughs> they don't need somebody else to get it to them, right? If your best guy is a big man, but your guard can't throw you the ball, then you're neutralized, right? If your best player is a is a a point guard or just a lead guard or somebody with the ball, then they have the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you can just scheme up ways to get other guys easy shots or to keep, you know, the defense on it. So I'm dribbling. I get into the lane and maybe I'm not going to dunk on this seven, three guy, but because he came over to help, I can dish the ball off to my lumbering big man who can at least catch the ball and dunk it. So now he's got two points because I was be able to get to the lane and I don't know that uh, – so I, I agree with your point, but I also don't know that Rice has that kind of thing. And I think Middle Tennessee has more defensive talent. They just got a lot of arms, and they're aggressive, and they like to foul. Well, yeah. I
1: mean, like, yes, Middle Tennessee has a lot of length and athleticism, right? But yeah. Rice has a lot of experience in their guards. They have a lot of skill as far as, you know, shooting, being able – I mean – Look at how they, North Texas is a a pretty good defensive team, Mm -hmm. right? And and their guards are able to get open against our defense, right? So, I mean, I look at the high level potential of a guard and I say, you know, if they're able to hit that in a tournament in March, right, then they're a dangerous team. So Olivari, Evie, um, even some of the, you know, the freshman Mason who did a really good job guarding um uh, Tyler Perry yesterday. Yeah. Um, held them to nine points. I look at like those guys. If they played at their top level, you know, can they carry a team past another team that might have more overall talent than them? Yeah. I mean, roster wise. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, I agree that I, I like Olivari. I like Evie. And I thought two years ago that Rice was very dangerous. And I thought they were actually better than like their record showed. I think, I think without, I don't want to talk too much about Rice, but. I think that they had the the most difficult strength of schedule uh, two years ago, and it showed when they got to tournament time. Then they started beating teams, and I think it, they just kind of ran out of gas. And I don't think it was like oh, was it was against Marshall. I think they beat Marshall. I think it was against Western. They just kind of died. You can see it. It was like five minutes <laughs> left, and their legs left them. They were getting the shots they wanted, like you were saying, like he was open, but the shots are just coming up short. It it just, they didn't have it anymore. And I mean, that's the da- That's why you win the regular season, right? Cause that, that's what matters. It helps you out in, in, you know, seeding and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, all right. So just, uh, th- that's the thing. I, I'm not an optimist. I just think about, I'm, I think about a lot of things like, all right, say you win this one, what happens? Right. And it, Obviously the other part is, is you lose. There's not too much to think about like can you lose against FIU? Yes. Can you lose against Charlotte? Yes. And then it's over. And then it's done. Um, you know, like I think the as far as is it tough to get through this bracket? Yes. That's North Texas would have to play middle, but that's the problem. That if you wonder what was the consequence of losing against FAU twice, it's that you gotta play middle on the tenth and then go play FAU, presumably again. Right? Um if you flip it the other way. I mean I don't love having to play UAB either but I think you know like middle middle's still a tough thing. This league is tough. The, it, like when if you the March 10th, March 11th game whoever comes out of that that little scrum they will be a deserving champion. I'm not going to say, "Ah, well, you know, they like if if you could be if you're middle and you can beat North Texas and then you can beat FAU or UAB. You deserve to be conference the USA champion, and I think it'd be a, a, a tough out. Um, but yeah,
1: here's the thing: I don't think Middle's going to be the three seed. I think UAB's going to overtake them and be the three seed. I'm just saying.
0: Look at you. I'm just saying. I, I think
1: that's going to happen. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, technically they're tied for the three seed right now, right? UAB is eight and five. Middle's eight and five. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I, I'm at the point where I don't know what to expect. If you said UAB. Is going to go on and sweep everybody from here on out. i am be like, yeah, I, I can see that. If you say UAB is going to go, you know, it's going to split 500 the rest of the way, and then Jelly Walker <laughs> is going to throw a punch at Andy Kennedy. I'm like, yeah, I can see that happening, <laughs> too. I don't know. I can see anything happening with that team right now because it just, you know, they're just like that. Uh, they're slated. Ken Palm has them losing at North Texas this week. UAB.
1: Oh, man, it's going to be such a tough game. You know, like, I mean, we know the series history, right? Yeah. We, we, we've gone over that. And now Jelly Walker's back. He hasn't played well in the two games that he's been back. I mean, he's like, two. I think his first game back against um, FAU, he was like, what, 2 of 10 from three-point range? Yes. And he had like a bunch of turnovers yesterday against F, FIU. Uh, and didn't really play all that well against them either. But still, I mean, you know, we, we embarrassed them at home. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we embarrassed them. So I think there's going to be quite a bit of motivation for them to come into our place. Um, North Texas is going to be feeling good about themselves. But I, I think they these two teams understand what's at stake. They understand each other pretty well at this point. So, I mean, it's going to be a really good game. It's just, I, it's it's a toss-up. Like I, I would just have it as a toss-up.
0: I think what Jelly averages about 10 threes attempts a game. So he's at least feeling good enough to get his normal shot attempts up. Uh, I mean, like, like if he were on any other squad, I'd like him just a little bit more. In that he doesn't have any fear. He will keep shooting. You can't <laughs> you can't stop him. Uh, I can see why Andy Kennedy likes having him on a squad, and I can also see why he... He's frustrated having him on the squad sometimes. Just like, yeah, this guy. (laughs) Yeah, but
1: Yeah, I mean, like, he takes a lot of bad shots, but I mean, to UAB's credit, they have a lot of good rebounders on their team. And that leads to some offense for them. Maybe it's a bad jelly shot, leads to a long rebound. The opposing team thinks, Hey, we're gonna get this rebound, go on a fast break. They kind of start that, but then UAB scrambles, gets the rebound, kicks it back down for an easy two, or somebody else to have an open three. I mean, the other thing for UAB is they're getting some of their role players to play better. You know, Buffin was player of the week in Conference USA last week. Um, he's played better. Uh, the the Brewer kid, I think he had like a 11 points yesterday. The uh, I think Ladarius Brewers and one. Yeah, that's the dude from in Mississippi.
0: Mississippi, uh, Mississippi, right? He's a transfer
1: from there. Yeah, he was three for three from three. Um, and he had 12 points against FIU yesterday. So, and then Gaines played really well against um, uh, Florida Atlantic on Thursday. Got to the free throw line 11 times, which, you know, was something we thought he was going to do against us because of how, yeah, you know, explosive he is off the dribble. But we just dared him to shoot jumpers, and and he did that. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what adjustments UAB has made. Um, going into this game against us on Thursday. And then um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what is North Texas intensity level? Can they match UAB? Because really, like, I mean, North Texas is in, is in a really good spot. They're, they're, they're going to, barring some uh, cataclysmic collapse, they're going to get a bye, right? They should get a bye. They should win enough games down the stretch to get a bye. UAB is on that, that fringe, right? You know, they could still... Lose
0: enough to not get a buy. Yeah. So, so in case you're wondering, right? Like, what's the? You'd have to drop below sixth to get a buy. Uh, to to lose your buy. Like you know, like Greg said, top five gets the buy. The fifth, the fourth and fifth seeds are the worst positions because that means you got to play another team that's pretty good. Um, you know, and the other ones you get to play a team that played the day before. And now that also depends on like you know how good <laughs> you are. I think North Texas came from. From early, they played and played and played. They obviously won a championship, but no, that was a special <coughs> North Texas team. Uh, you know, like if if you're bad enough, to, like I said, you t- look at the teams that are slated in this spot: UTEP, Western, Rice, UTSA, FIU, and Charlotte. Those are all teams you're like, yeah, they're they're pretty good, but then they 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 kind of get real bad. Yeah, you're not good enough or consistent enough to win like that. So you can always jump up and bite somebody, but I don't think you're gonna make it. You know, three games in a row. Um and so that's why you're in that position. Uh but yeah, you you don't want to risk it. You don't want to need to win all of those games in a row. And I would like to stay in the top as uh, it three, right? So that way you can you know, play a team that's just played. You get the little you get the legs advantage, even if you don't get the rhythm advantage. Um, yeah. That's me.
1: I I don't mind being in the four spot, right? i I, I want to avoid UAB until the championship game. That's what I, I'd like to see. It's just, like, I, I feel like we're, we're due to beat FAU. Like, if we match up with them a third time, we're due to beat this team, um, especially in, in Frisco. I think that would be a really awesome thing to see. But UAB, as we've talked about them enough, they're, just, they're, they're a wild card. You don't know what you're going to get. You could get 40 points from Jelly Walker because he goes – you know, 8 out of 10 on this 3. Or he could go 1 out of 10, and you beat him by 10. So, like, I, I hate that that we don't really know what we're going to get from them. We know what we're going to get from FAU, and we know what we're going to get from our team, and and we know that in the two games that we played them, we have had leads that we should have held on to. So,
0: so uh, think about this, right, as it pertains to this game coming up this week. We play at, uh, UAB on Thursday at home say we win that game, right? Flip in a little precedent where the, the road team has won nine straight or whatever it is. And then we play them again in the conference tournament. That would mean that we'd need, that we'd have, to <laughs> we'd need a third straight win against them. And then, you know, like that's uh that's what we were saying before. It's like, it's almost, it's very tough to do this, that, and the other. Um, you know, that would be quite the storyline. Uh, I'm I'm concerned about this game this week. I think Jelly Walker is gonna gonna play a lot better than than he did, obviously because he didn't play last time. I think UAB is gonna play a lot better because they're gonna re- remind themselves of what happened uh, that we went to their home sp- uh, spot and we punched them in the mouth. That UAB looked not tough. It looked North Texas looked like the better team uh, in a lot of ways in that one, and you know they're gonna be you know ready to play in a lot very similar to how. North Texas was upset that Rice beat came to t- came to Denton and beat us there. We said, "Well, we got to take care of business and handle things." Um, and I thought, for the most part, we did. North Texas controlled this Rice game, start to finish. Um, right, who, who else did we play? It's uh, it's Charlotte, right? I I still don't Ooh. have any good thoughts or or deep thoughts about Charlotte. They are just about mid pack in all the metrics, uh, offensive efficiency sixth. 103.8, uh, just above Western, just below Louisiana Tech. Conference-only defense efficiency, uh, 104.0, which is seventh. One below Tech, one above Western Kentucky. So they're in that that kind of, yeah, they can beat you. They're not as bad as UTSA, but they're not as good as, like, a middle, a UTEP uh, in terms of defense and, and that kind of uh, group. So you don't like... I'm not super concerned about them. They're good enough to do some things to you, but I think overall, in a in a 40-minute game, I think North Texas' quality should prevail, right?
1: Yeah, one thing to say about Charlotte is Khalifa, who's their really good center, has been out for the past two games. Um, the FIU loss and then the FAU um, loss on Saturday. So, just something to watch whether or not he can play at UTEP on Thursday because really, if they don't have him, I don't think they're much of a threat mm-hmm. to North Texas. Yeah. Um, their their best players, their their um, number four power forward, uh, Bryce Williams. I mean, he's been doing a
0: little bit of really everything. good
1: stuff for him. Yeah, he's six seven. You know, one of those. I, but I think we we will match up fine because you can put somebody Aaron Scott on him. You can put Jaden Martinez. On him, we got guys that can, can sort of defend him. Um, and then you look at, you know, uh, their their one shooting guard is Montre Gibson. He's 5'11". So, I mean, they're probably going to have him guarding Tyler Perry because, again, what you've seen with the race and when teams have smaller guards, North Texas does, you know, they start putting Huntsbury and getting him into the post. So that'll be... Um, something to watch. And then again, one thing I I was going to mention was uh, for the UAB game Thursday is if they switch up their coverage with Tyler Perry, right? So the teams that have done the best against them have put the longer wing players on them, you know, like Rice put six, six guy on them. Last time they had Eric Gaines, they had, you know, I think like Tony, Tony, but, but they didn't put any length on him. I don't know if Brewer is capable of guarding, you know, Tyler Perry, but that's just, I'm wondering if UAB is going to switch up some of their coverage on him. Uh, something to watch.
0: Yeah, I don't I mean, I, I don't, looking at their roster, I mean, maybe they try, I don't know. Like, Lovin is not really, he's not really that quick. I don't know. I, that's the thing is, that I don't know they got a guy that has length and that can move with Tyler Perry. Because lots of, like you said, yeah. lots of teams will try some length on him. And like middle, I thought did a good job. Um, Doing a little bit of that, but they got a lot of dudes that are same, right? Like Eli Lawrence is long and he's quick. Um, Tefail Leonard is long, quick. Elias King, similar. They have a lot of dudes that are all like you know six seven, uh, like scrawny. And they can fly around the court and cover a lot of ground. So you can say, well, maybe he's not gonna say step for step with him, but his reach can kind of keep him close, and he can bother a shot or just getting away. Um, I know Western said specifically, like we're not that kind of team we are um like a, a just a big team we w- we want to be big and tough and so then they, they felt like north texas driving against them was was uh not good or and then they couldn't drive against us that way either <laughs> um so i mean you know like you, you know you <laughs> when you're designing a basketball team there's lots of things factors to consider and, you know, it could be that you just get undone by this one aspect. You're like, we have no answer for this one dude. There's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> and yes. that, that's going to be all of it. Um, Tyler Perry's had good games against uh, UAB in his history. Uh, what is it? He had was it just the 10 points, but there were some big shots in that one. Uh, last year, he obviously had the game winner, but was it 25 points? And then... The other game, I want to say how much. Even in that loss, he had fifteen. He's been able. To, he's usually able to get his his shots off. I think lots of teams last year tried to trap him. He's been a lot better at that. And so now, what they try to do, to your point, is deny him the ball, um, and with with length. And if he gets the ball, then they'll try to trap him there, get the ball out of his hands. And anyway, I think if we're spending a lot of time trying to. No, no, alright. Let's get him the ball. Let's get him the ball. Then we're not taking advantage of opportunities. Like we can we can use their aggression against them, right? It's like it's like play action in football. Yeah. Um is Tyler Perry still your player of the, of the year?
1: Yeah? Yeah, I, I I think so. I mean, who else are you going to put up there? Uh, you know, Jelly hasn't played enough. Hasn't played, I think, consistently as well. And here's like Tyler Perry hasn't won. I don't think he's won Conference USA Player of the Week yet. Uh-huh. Um, but I think he's been the best player, most consistent. Um, the only other guy, again, like we had discussed the last time, was was John L. Davis. <laughs> um, he kind of reminds me of Kevin Brown um, from <laughs> Texas back in the day, like the same type of game. Uh, let's see. He only, he had 17 in their loss to UAB eight. Um, so, so yeah, I I would go with Tyler Perry. I mean, uh, I would see that again, some of the other guys that you, you would probably consider like if rice was a top three team or second team in the conference, I think you could go with Max Fielder. Like, because he just impacts the game in so many ways. He's leaving, leading the conference in assists per game with like five or something. Mm-hmm. And then he's getting rebounds and he's scoring points. Um, and Khalifa is kind of the same way, but their teams are, are falling off. Um, and then you got Kobe Williams at Louisiana Tech, who does, you know, he plays really good defense and he's good offensively. But again, Louisiana Tech... You know they're middle of the pack conference USA. So, I mean, for a guy who does is is as, as much as Tyler Perry does, I would still lean for him being conference USA player of the year.
0: I, I mean, I agree. <coughs> and uh, I, you know, just it's just good to we we'll just say it again. Everybody, so everybody's on the same page. All right, let, let's quickly turn uh, to everybody's favorite off-season pastime: is did we sign enough guys? And uh, it's like the draft. Everybody's like, you know what? I saw two huddle clips of this dude, and I really think that he can fit into our three-three-five defense, especially. Think, all right, all right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you, there's stuff you can learn from it, uh, but I think they're just very broad strokes, right? And, like, how are they going to fit in the locker room? How are they going to fit with the coaching? Where do you see him overall? All this other stuff is stuff that you just – unless you're really deep in it, and I don't know that there's anybody – uh, even if they talk to coaches and all this other stuff, that is that deep into it where they can give you a very good idea of, A, what the coaching staff is thinking, and then B, what the players and all this other stuff, uh, where they see themselves, right? All that said, uh, I think North Texas came in with like 12 uh, commits on, on National Signing Day. Uh, the big talk was around Javen Anderson, right? Is uh, a linebacker, right?
1: He was a, a linebacker, safety. Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Uh, he's, what, six foot, five. It's hard to tell, right? Like, linebackers have gotten smaller. Uh, you know, everybody's gotten smaller. <laughs> Safety's gotten a little smaller. You got to do so much more. It used to be that the typical line, I mean, linebackers, you got all the way up to almost 300 pounds sometimes, especially if you play like a three three five back in the, uh, not, uh, I mean, a 3-4 defense. Uh, not so much now. Everybody's kind of small. Uh, Taylor Starling, that was a big get. Um, uh, for a lot of reasons, I think just connection with with South Oak Cliff. It's another just building a little pipeline there. Um, let me see who else is good. Uh, there's Marcus Moore, which is the guy that I think he's gonna play a little sooner than a Starling than a Javen Anderson, maybe. Just because he's a uh, he's a transfer, and I'm I'm scrolling through. I gotta look at the thing now because I can't remember I'll anybody off the top of my head anymore. Uh, anybody else that stood out to you that just was like this guy? Right here, gonna do it for me.
1: Mm, the uh, winning the battle against, I guess, U- UTSA for Starling yeah. was something that, you know, I think was significant. I, you know, I know UTSA probably wanted him, but it wasn't like an, an absolute must. Yeah. It would just be kind of like, hey, look at this. We ended this um, pretty well. Um, <clears throat> so. You mentioned Anderson. Um, he's definitely one that stood out to me.
0: I mean, this I this adds to the to the actual December signing day one where they got uh, was it uh, Chandler Rogers? He was a yeah, you know, he's a transfer, so I'm thinking of uh, was it Paula Vipulu? Is it interior offensive lineman? I think that's good. We you know you always need linemen. You need lineman that can play, and um, there was a Texas Tech wide receiver, a safety. There was a couple safeties. I don't know. There you know, there's a guy from the Raging Cajuns. I, I didn't watch a lot of Raging Cajun football, so I can't tell you too much about that guy. Um, it, I think overall, it, I think to sum it up, right? Eric Morris is in a tough spot that he he he, s- he basically signed on the dotted line. And it was going to be time to sign a bunch of dudes right away, and his stated philosophy was, "I'm not going to just make commitments to dudes like I did before. I made that mistake before at f c s and this is a good part about hiring a coach with the experience. He said, "I just got a bunch of dudes, and that was a problem It didn't quite work out with all of them, right so we're going to just we're going to be do the job right go out, recruit, make shake hands, look at the film, and then sign guys that we believe in and whatever now." Maybe that was just all talk, but it was good talk. I believed it. And <laughs> and so then they went out, <laughs> and I think and see, the guys that they signed here are, um, you know, I think they, they kind of moved the needle for everybody involved in recruiting, right? There's some of this where you just got to play the game. And, like, signing guys from South Oak Cliff is good, right? It moves the needle, builds connections. People are like, hey, yeah, they got a couple dudes from here. Right. And then you start to think about North Texas as a school that believes in the area. Right. Even though the stats may say, hey, look, they got a lot of guys from Dallas area. But there's a couple dudes you get from there and you're like, hey, they, it just it makes people feel it. Right. Does that matter?
1: Yeah. Look. And the same thing I mean, with like the North you, Shore one. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. The North Shore one, I was going to say the same thing. Like mm-hmm. you look at the pecking order of schools in the state of Texas in terms of high school football. South Oak Cliff is definitely at the top, the mecca as they would say, Um, there's no hotter brand in in Texas high school football than South Oakland. The consistency from North shore down here in the Houston region. I mean, they've been the best team down here, right. And they're consistently putting tons of athletes, players into division one schools, power five schools. So, you know, it's great to have those, those relationships. Um, The one guy that I was having trouble pulling up the list. I liked Keith Smith. The, the defensive lineman from South Oak Cliff, watching him in the state championship game. I thought there was something there that could be developed. And then the other corner, Brian Nelson out of Shadow Creek. Shadow Creek, again, is another school down here that's, you know, um, is relatively new, but, I mean, they're getting – they've produced a lot of talent. So, I, I mean, those there were there were good pickups in there. It wasn't – I don't think they had to battle a lot of teams for some of these guys, like, you know, do we? I don't really know who was trying to sign Javian Anderson at the end. Like, I know he had a bunch of like offers, but how many of those teams were really trying to sign him? So, um, we know UTSA was trying to sign Starling. You know, the more guy, like you said, is going to probably play or, early, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Starling or Anderson play early because the, I think for me at least, the one area that they needed the most help was in the back seven, in the secondary. So if these guys are as talented as, you know, we're led to believe by their recruiting rankings, then yeah. they're probably going to see the 2D pretty early.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's like there's there's not necessarily a lot of, um, there's not like a, a formula that tells you, well, you know, like if your physical tools, that gives you one star. And then your, your, just, your ability to process football, that's like another star. You know, whatever it's. I think there's a lot to it. It's like, do you have the physical skills, you know, to run? Are you a smooth runner? And all this other stuff. Can you? You got a good change of direction. Uh, you got a good frame that we could put some muscle on you in a college program weight room, so that way you can withstand the rigors of college football. And then, and then beyond that is like, um, can you can you handle? Do you have the maturity level to handle D1 football? Right? Can you you know, go to school, go to class, handle the autonomy that you're going to have relative autonomy uh, as a, as you know, as an adult out here in this world with these responsibilities and you know, that, they can kind of, they can kind of move the needle a little bit.
1: I think one big thing is having a guy like coach O who knows so many prospects and knows what translate at the next level. He probably understands like, yeah. you know, this kid can make those transitions like you're talking about better than some of the other ones. So, They may not have the highest of ranking, but they have some of these traits here that I know translates well, and they have some talent, and we can develop them down the line. So I I think he was instrumental in getting a lot of this class put together. I think they, you know, having a guy like Coach Morris and Coach Gilbert were the closers. Coach O was kind of like identifying some of the talent and, and showing it to the coaches, and they're saying, Yeah, I can work with this guy. And then they closed it out. And then we've already seen—I don't know, like you've seen, like on Twitter, you know. There's been a couple four-star guys in the next um, class that have already said that they want to be on campus and come visit UNT, and and that's the Coach O effect.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. That so I mean, I, I was gonna make go back to the other point. I agree with everything you just said right there. Is that Kenneth Starling go out there and play? I mean, look, he was on—he was in a backfield with a lot of other D1 guys, and uh, uh, that, you know, is like one went to Rice, one went to SMU, one went to Texas, and I think that that at least tells you that he's not a, he's not like a big fish in a small pond kind of deal, which I think is also important, right, there's a lot of dudes that you're like, man, I'm just dominating out here, big man on campus, and you go, and everybody's fast like you, and you're like, oh, you know, maybe that kind of messes with your confidence, is that Starling's gonna go, out, you know, he's gonna go to the North Texas uh you know db room and you know what this guy's not as good as my teammate in high school or this guy (laughs) is as good as my teammate in high school and that i can play right and it's going to give you a level of confidence and especially as a db i think you need a certain level of confidence to go out there and go do your job and i mean that's the is like for freshman guys you don't need them out there for 40 snaps you need them maybe for three, right? You can get them out there for three snaps and they can not lose <laughs> their spot and look at the wrong way. But if you can go and say, you know what, we're going to do, uh, uh, we're going to bring some pressure. If you can just guard this guy one-on-one, man coverage, right? And he's going to run a streak or he's going to run a hot route and it's just very limited and you can stay with him mostly step-for-step, step, be right technique, hand in the right spot, eyes up, you know, get your hand between their hands as they come together. All those things they teach you then you you can go out here and play in five snaps a game or whatever it is. And I think that's good. That d- that's the path to, to the next thing. Um, but yeah, you don't want like, well, we need Taylor Starley to shut down SMU's number one, you know, <laughs> 40 snaps a game. We d- we don't need that. It's not something we're looking for right now. Um, yeah, so I, I agree with you. I, I'm very excited about this class. The problem with the recruiting stuff is that like, especially at this level, there's not going to be there's maybe maybe one guy that's going to be like, yeah, who is he playing? There's a lot of those dudes who are like, what happened to that guy we got? Is he still on the roster? You're like, yeah, he's there. <laughs> he's there. He dresses out, but he's just not He's not ready yet. It, this is normal. The normal is this. Alabama will have a guy like, oh, yeah, five-star freshman, and he's going to walk out there, and he's going to be the most devastating player on the field. That doesn't happen everywhere. There's a lot of guys that you got to go to the weight room <laughs> and get bigger and stronger and then, then you can go compete. And that that's more normal. Be okay with that. Uh all right, so UAB Charlotte this week. Uh we'll have oh, I will have some more um some more football stuff. We'll figure out what's going on there. Like I guess if you're like Where where were you guys? I was at work all week. Well, I was working I work every week, but I had to travel for work this week and so that just took a little bit out of me. Um, and, uh, you know, it was like Friday, I got back, but here's, f- so I left Tuesday and then my flight was at two forty PM in the afternoon. Right. And then I get an email and they're like, Oh, your flight's been delayed till 3 30. I was like, okay. Uh, let me just, th- I'm still finishing up work cause I'm a great worker. And then they send me another email. Your flight's at four forty 40 now. It's like, "All right, I got lots of time. I was like, actually, uh, you probably don't even need to take me to the airport at lunch. I'll just get an Uber cause you know, whatever. And then so um, I'm still working. And then I get another email said, oh, your flight's back at the normal time, 2.40. I was like, well, <laughs> now I got <laughs> to rush to the airport. What are you doing? So I, g- so I get to the <laughs> airport and the whole deal. And then I get on the plane. Everything's fine. Except I forgot my corporate credit card at home. So that it was annoying. And then so then uh, um, we're on the plane. And it's delayed for an hour and a half because they're de-icing it. But then also electricity, uh, some electricity. Thing they have, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they forgot to put the engine in. Who knows? But we didn't leave until four o'clock, uh, so it did end up getting delayed to that time. Uh, so I think the whole trip was a little bit like that. It was also icy, storming, dealing with stuff, lots of work stuff. So I'm, I was very tired. So I apologize if I didn't crank out all the content that you feel you deserve. My bad, team. <laughs> mm,
1: mm. Disappointing.
0: Yeah, should have been on that plane. I watched Tidbit, and I was like, yeah, I could probably blog right now. I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this movie Tenant, again. I've seen it. It's I just watch it and kind of, you know, zone out a little bit. Uh, it,
1: yeah, for me, I've been watching Ted Lasso.
0: <laughs> you know, funny thing about that is like I like soccer. I like jokes. I don't like that show that much because I feel like it's corny. Uh, but, I mean, there's things like you just, I still You have no heart. It. No, I don't. I don't. I have no heart, I guess. I just think it's, it's just mm-hmm. real corny. I'm like, get out of here, guy. You know? When is he writing this thing with
1: He's like the most likable person in the world on the show, and you don't like him. Yeah, because it's not real.
0: There's nobody baking cookies every night. It's not not a thing that happens. You don't do it. I'd be annoyed by that. I'm like, get out of here with these stupid cookies, man. I don't want these cookies. Get out of here. Um, (laughs) And you say I'm
1: a negative person. Like, if somebody baked me cookies every day, I wouldn't be like, get out of here. I'd be like, all right, cookies. See, I don't love cookies like that. I love donuts like that. I'm not a cookie. Okay, you know. well, <laughs> if somebody brought you donuts every morning, you wouldn't complain?
0: I mean, after a little bit, I'm like, look, I don't know how you you this is a violation of my trust here. Uh, <laughs> a violation
1: of your trust. I mean, what if he just brought you like one donut every day?
0: Uh I I would I would be annoyed at the earnestness, you know? Yeah. <sighs> also, yeah, I mean, just yeah. Yeah, it, well, all of it's fictional. It's it's a fictional show. And I think that brand of comedy that, that they have there, where everybody has to explain the joke that they're telling to you in your face, it wears on me quicker than other types of comedy. And I'm like, all right, okay, I get it. And then um, and you can just see the turns coming. It's like, look at this super gruff guy. I bet he's gonna be the most earnest and loving and tenderhearted person. Yep, there it is. Because, you know, everything's obvious. Uh, I might as well watch Bubble Guppies if I want simplistic storyline. Uh. Telling and it looks very Bumble similar. Guppies. It's the same. It's the same. Um and then there's not even as many songs. Bubble Cup is at least has songs. And there's everybody line up. <laughs> you know, they line up. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Fingry Nation podcast. Uh you can subscribe on
1: It's time for lunch. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. 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 It has songs. There's like the cowboy one, you know? I've been jamming out. No, it. I was saying
1: it's it's literally
0: time for lunch. Yes. So. Yeah, now it is. Um Uh, What was I going to say? Yeah, so you can subscribe on the site. uh, Let us know what you're thinking. If you have any feedback, all that good stuff, Uh, get in touch with me. If you want to get in touch with Greg, there's ways to do that. Uh, He's on Twitter, but you can just email the podcast if you have any questions for him. I will forward that on to him and whatnot. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. Go Mean Green.